It's time for another episode of Dynasty Oasis Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Newts and Josh Adkins. Welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Oasis Podcast. My name is Matthew Newts. I'm at Nasty Newts on Twitter. Uh, with me, as always, Josh Adkins uh, at Dynasty Oasis. What's up, Josh? Not much. Uh, another fun week of football, although not one of the funner weeks for me as a dynasty manager. A uh, few things didn't go my way this weekend, but you know what? That's uh, if, if I won every year, it wouldn't be fun anymore after a while. So, uh, yeah, it uh, it was a frustrating week in a lot of regards. We'll get to it as we start going through our game recaps. But uh, how was your fantasy weekend? Uh, it was looking really bad. I thought I was going to miss the playoffs in several le- leagues early in the day, but it, it came around a little bit. Now I think I'm just going to miss in one, and I should at least make the playoffs in most of the leagues I care about. So I guess that's good. Um, frustrating day, though, I, and it's frustrating that we still have two Monday night games and a Tuesday game to go. I kind of yeah. just wish this would be over with already so we could set our eyes to the playoffs. But uh, as we look at judge Judy's face and anticipate the four o'clock start time, we're going to try and get through this relatively quickly. So we don't miss too much of the action on this first game tonight, but uh, yeah, I don't know unless you got something else you want to just kind of dive right into the games. Yeah. Why don't we get to uh, the more most frustrating game of the weekend in in my opinion here. And uh you know, I'm never rooting for anybody to uh, lose their job. But, you know, I've, I've been fired from a job before. I'm sure you have too, Newt. It doesn't feel great. We're not rooting for that. But uh, I got to say, it gave me a little bit of pleasure to see Greg Williams fired this morning after uh, what was just a ridiculous defensive uh, call in the back end uh, that led to the game-winning touchdown by Henry Ruggs. Uh, why don't you take us through everything that led up to that play? Well, you said it gave you a little bit of pleasure to watch him get fired. It gave me (laughs) quite a bit of pleasure because I can't stand Greg Williams. He's my least favorite person, I think, in all of football. Uh, Back to the Bounty Gate stuff uh, still holds a bitter place in my heart. So that was an inexcusable play call, and he deserved to get fired. He didn't even deserve to be in the league to begin with, but that's another topic for another day. Uh, Let's hope this is the last firing that we have to Greg Williams. Hopefully this is just it. No kidding. Um, but yeah, this was the Darren Waller show here. Um, a lot of it was due to his, you know, good ability to get open, but a lot of it was due to Greg Williams, horrible defensive (laughs) scheme and game plan in this game. Like the jets defense looked lost. They looked like they were uninterested in winning this game. And Darren Waller took full advantage of that. I don't think you're going to see a whole heck of a lot more 200 yard games from him, but in this situation, you know, it was enough to get a lot of people in the playoffs probably. So Good for him. He can exploit mismatches as well as any other tight end in the league. Yeah, I was sort of on that topic. You know, we've been kind of doing our ranks, and it's been fun to kind of see where you have people and I have, and those will be available very shortly on the site. Um, I know we both have Waller in that second tier of tight ends. All of our rankings are going to be tier-based, so um, we both have him in that second tier of tight ends. What more does he have to show in order to get into tier one, or is it more tied to the players around him and the offense that he's in for him to elevate himself to that next level? Well, I think the difference between him and a Kelsey and a Kittle, as far as where I'm going to rank them tier wise, it's not always in Darren Waller's control. Um, Kelsey has Mahomes that helps him a lot and he's, you know, great, but for Waller to get there, uh, Carr maybe needs to take another step and the con- the production just needs to be a little bit more consistent. Consistency, yeah. I, that's that's what I was going to go to, too, is that these need to be – it can't just be big outbreak games and then five for 23. Right. Um, he needs to start showing some consistency. But, yeah, this was – I mean, 17 targets. Uh, at some point, you'd have thought the Jets would make the adjustment. Um, how about the rest of the playmakers for the Las Vegas side? Well, Henry Ruggs' box score looks better because of that final play, Mm -hmm. which was just, you know, a fast guy beating a bad cornerback. Uh, Nothing really fantastic about the play, just more of a complete lapse in judgment by the defense again. So I'm not, you know, running home and – starting a parade if I have rugs and right. saying all is fixed, all is well, because 
we need to see more. Uh, Derek Carr has a good box score, but I thought he looked kind of shaky in this game. He should have really dominated this game. The Raiders to squeak one out that they didn't deserve against the Jets. That's kind of damning in my eyes, even though, you know, most of the stats look good. It's uh, kind of a red flag. Uh, On the Jets side, there's really not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, Ty Johnson and Josh Adams run the ball pretty well, but their upcoming uh, playoff schedule, Seattle, uh, Rams, Cleveland, uh, I wouldn't chase that. I, I, I know you can run against Seattle, but their other two matchups don't chase it. Yeah, the one thing I wanted to say on this this New York running game is I feel like now we've seen multiple subpar talent-wise NFL backs succeed in this offense. I mean, Frank Gore is the immortal the immortal one. He, you know, he continues to do it, but he's not an amazing player anymore. Ty Johnson, obviously, not an amazing. I'm just wondering. I think this is a very plumb spot for a player next year, either through free agency or through the draft, um, that maybe isn't getting a lot of talk. We've talked a lot about how good uh, Trevor Lawrence could be for Denzel Mims. I think a Trevor Lawrence or you know somebody in that quarterback position that can elevate some players is going to take this running game to a good spot. Their, their offensive line with Becton and McGovern seems to be headed in the right direction. Um, I just, I'm, I'm getting high on this, uh, New York Jets team as we move forward into the 2021 off season. I agree. And it's going to be an interesting backfield to chase, uh, next off season as we're building our 2021 teams, but I don't think the running back of 21's on roster right now. So I don't think there's anything you can Correct. really do to, to lock that down right now, but it's certainly something worth looking at, uh, Onto the next game, we got uh, Browns uh, at Titans, uh, lopsided early, but then the Titans kind of made it look a little closer than it was. Uh, Baker, in my eyes, from what I saw, looked pretty darn good. Uh, would you agree, or do you have something else you want to go with on the Browns side? No, he did look great. I mean, most of the statistics were put up in the first half, uh, four touchdowns in the first half, um, kind of going through them. Um a lot of really good play design by Kevin Stefanski, and that's taking nothing away from Baker Mayfield. But the first touchdown was from the goal line. They lined up Chubb as the fullback and Hunt as the halfback and faked it to both of them, Chubb on the inside give, and then they faked the swing pass to Hunt, and it allowed an offensive lineman to get wide open in the back of the end zone. So that was one of the funner touchdowns of the day. I'll also add Baker. They ran uh, Philly Philly uh, on a drive previous to that, and uh, he, he made a really nice sideline catch. So that was kind of something that I felt like got him going early in this game. Um, but then there was another really nice throw on a play action pass to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, real quick, kind of similar to Henry Ruggs, don't chase this Donovan Peoples-Jones line in terms of getting him into starting lineups anytime soon. Uh, but a really encouraging day for a, a young player. He he He's returning punts. He's making people miss in that area. And, you know, we've talked a little bit on this show about we don't want CeeDee Lamb back there. We don't want Deontay Johnson established players back there. I love it to see some of these more under-the-radar players get that chance to show that they can make people miss. Donovan Peoples-Jones, very interesting guy long-term, but don't chase the 95 and a touchdown here. Um, I think the more interesting guy is T. Higgins. He seems to have Baker Mayfield's eye. Um, You know, Obviously, Jarvis Landry is the number one target here, and he gets into the end zone. That was great to see. Um, but, but, uh, I keep wanting to call him T Higgins because yeah, he's kind of playing, yeah, he's kind of <laughs> playing like it right now, but, uh, T Higgins looked really, or God, I just did it again. <laughs> Rashard Higgins looked really good in this game. Uh, I think he's an interesting kind of cheap buy, or maybe a guy that's even sitting out there on some waiver wires yet, uh, the rest of the way, probably what everybody wants to know is, uh, what happened between Chubb and Hunt, um, Hunt was actually given the first crack in this game to have a chance to score a touchdown. Uh, He was held just short. Um, The rest of the game was mainly Nick Chubb until this game was out of reach. Um, I didn't think Hunt looked particularly, you know, good, but at the same time, it felt like there wasn't a lot of holes there for him when he was out there. Really, his nicest play of the game came on a screen. Um, I'm getting a little long-winded on this this Cleveland side, but they're 9-3. and They deserve a little bit of credit here. Um, Like I said, Kevin Stefanski with a really good game plan. On to the Tennessee side. Um, you, you pointed out that they obviously made a comeback here, but, uh, kind of, um, what led to that was some of their more important players having some, some metal errors, um, in this game that cost them starting with Derrick Henry. He was stuffed early on a fourth down, uh, fourth and one, I should say a, a play that he almost always gets. And then on the very next drive fumbled the football, 
Um, he kind of put him behind the eight ball in this game, um, was also stuffed on a two-point conversion where it just maybe the battering of the season has finally started to take its toll on Derrick Henry because he just there was a couple plays in this game where it's there's yards there that he normally gets and he didn't. Um, the other player that kind of let you down was was A.J. Brown. Um, unfortunately, fumbles twice here in this game. One does get re- recovered by Michael Pruitt for a touchdown, uh, but he added a deep drop on the on the, the catch and fumble that ended up as the Michael Pruitt uh, touchdown. He would have scored uh, almost assuredly. The 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 defender basically said, "I can't tackle the player, so I'm going to try to tackle the ball," and and he did. It was a nice play, uh, but obviously very disappointed for AJ Brown. Um, CD, or I'm sorry, Corey Davis uh, has a, another really solid day here. 11 catches on 12 targets for 182 yards and a touchdown. Um, I think at some point we have to start taking this seriously. Um, I believe they declined his fifth-year option, but I got to wonder if he's going to be back in Tennessee, and if not, um, what is his value on the free agent market? He certainly opened up a, a bit of a market for himself, whether it's there or elsewise. I'm curious to see... Uh, what kind of a deal he'll get. Um, if I were him, um, maybe you bet on yourself a little bit and take a, another one-year deal. And uh, I think you're going to need to do it, you know, two years in a row to really cash in big time. But uh, it's certainly an interesting guy to see what happens with uh, long-term. I'm not sure how to value him right now for fantasy because uncertainty about where he's going to But it's uh, starting to look like a real thing, just a, you know, post-hype sleeper type situation here. Yeah, he made tough catch after tough catch in this game. He really has Tannehill's eye. Um, They have a really soft schedule, as we mentioned, for A.J. Brown going forward. So uh, I think he deserves to be in starting lineups until he proves otherwise going forward, especially if A.J. Brown and this ankle injury slash the thigh injury he's been dealing with all year uh, keeps on lingering. Um, The next matchup is Colts at Texans. Uh, You had this one. Why don't you kick us off with the uh, Colts? Well, I remember seeing uh, a lot of hype for Jonathan Taylor on Twitter throughout this game when it was going on live. And I rewatched this game back, kind of hoping to quell some of the excitement because that one uh, receiving touchdown he had, I mean, nice play to get open and score like that, but blown it was assignment. busted coverage, yeah. blown assignment, any running back in the league scores there. So I don't want to like uh, rain on his parade, but that play, I think you can throw that out, but he ran the ball really well in this game. Like he ran hard. He ran through contact. He actually found the right holes. So as a runner, I was pretty encouraged. Um, I'm going to just say, you know, let's see it a few more times, but yeah. if he keeps running like this, he's going to put Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines on the bench more often than not. So encouraging to say the least, but let's, uh, let's just take this step-by-step step at this point with uh, Jonathan Taylor, but certainly these are the types of things you want to see. So I got nothing to like uh, counterpoint the excitement on Twitter. Cause I know if you're a Taylor roster, you've been suffering and this looks like a ray of sunshine and hopefully mm-hmm. it grows, but I'd say just maybe let's see it a few more times before we start throwing them back up our rankings. Um, but uh, I, I kind of want to mention Philip Rivers here, too, because early yeah. in the year, I thought he looked washed. I thought he looked cooked. Uh, he's put a few good games together, and this offense is starting to look a little bit more interesting with him getting Pittman back from injury. T.Y. Mm-hmm. Hilton, I think if you looked at T.Y. Hilton's 10 biggest box scores in his career, I'm sure the Texans feature a lot on that list. <laughs> but he had a he had a good game here. Um, his touchdown, he got kind of open on a rub route, so it wasn't really him getting separation, but it was Manny manufactured separation that um you know it was good to see at least him get in the end zone and have a good day because i had to start him in a few spots kind of out of desperation so that was pleasant um but yeah i i don't know if you're gonna want to chase ty hilton i still think he has a hard time getting his own separation yeah. but you know if he gets open for whatever means he's gonna catch the ball and and be able to do something with it after the catch um, but Deshaun Watson, uh, on the other side of the ball, I thought he 
played pretty well despite not getting a passing touchdown. He does get one in on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recommended Kiki Kuti as a dart throw last week, and he has a big day, a career day, eight for 141. Probably should have scored on that long play, but it was kind of a backyard football play, broken play that uh, he was probably already running for a heck of a long time before he caught that ball. But Chad Hansen uh, gets 100 yards here. Uh, Isaiah Coulter wasn't able to play. Another guy that I thought could maybe do something instead, Chad Hansen. And steps in and puts up a lot of yards. I think all the focus went on Brandon Cook, so that's why mm-hmm. there was room for these guys. Yeah, well, and I think it really speaks to the greatness of Deshaun Watson that, you know, Chad Hansen, a throwaway by the Jets, a fourth-round pick from a couple years ago. Guy I kind of liked, actually, uh, but 101 yards here. Um, I saw some of this game. A lot of it seemed like Watson buying time and finding an open area in, in his own, but... Uh, like kind of an interesting guy to me. What do you think of him, you know, as a, a player in terms of long term? Hanson. Um, yeah, yeah, Hanson, he's, yeah. He looked a little good to me. Um, I, I didn't have a big opinion on him going in. I, I recognize the name from, you know, just looking through lists and stuff. But I I'd never really done homework on him. But, yeah, he, he kind of stood out a little bit to me. I could see him and it being a part of a three-man, you know, wide receiver group sure. somewhere. So uh, maybe if you're in a deep enough league worth a stash um, and maybe going forward the rest of the year, it could. It could in this game to keep Coulter out of this rotation for the rest of the year. That's certainly possible. Um, so, yeah, I guess worth paying attention to. If you got the roster space, maybe grab them. But I, I can't recommend starting them next sure. year. Sure, no, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't have a whole heck of a lot left in this game to go over. Uh, you had our Vikings. You drafted them. Um, kind of a you know, much closer game than we were hoping for as Vikings game. The question (laughs) I wanted to lead into you with is why the hell are the Vikings using Dalvin cook so much 38 touches in this game? Do they not realize they gave him a contract extension? Like there's more to, or we need Dalvin pass this year. I, you know, I tend to agree. And it's important to note here that, uh, Alex Madison, a guy we kind of recommended on the show as a speculative, a sneaky start this week, uh, had an emergency appendectomy on Friday or Saturday. I forget which one. It was after we had recorded. Um, So I'm sure that played into it that they, you know, in a game that was competitive throughout, that they weren't willing to trust Mike Boone, where they may well have been more willing to trust a guy like Alex Madison. But it, it this run has to stop at some point 38 touches you said it that's got to be one of the high watermarks for any running back uh this entire season um really doesn't get as much done as you might think with 38 touches uh i don't know did they credit kirk or did they co- credit uh cook on the goal line there for that fumble was it kirk? uh yeah it got uh signed to kirk but okay I- I think it's equal blame for the play, but yeah, it went to Kirk at least yeah, for so, the Dalvin rosters. Yeah, so that obviously cost him a chance at a touchdown. They had a chance late in overtime here where they were on the goal line, third and one, um, with one more chance to punch it in before kicking the field goal, and uh, we went offside, so they ended up rightfully so kicking it on third down. Um, you'd like to see him get more done with this work, but at this point, I don't know that it's beneficial. I don't see the same you know, crazy explosion when he hits the gas that I saw in the first half of the season, he is wearing down. And I think we're seeing uh, some of the effects of that uh, for the rest of the Vikings, Justin Jefferson, with just another spectacular game here scores on a, a really nice corner route uh, surpasses a thousand yards for the season. Um, he's doing historically great things as a rookie. Um, I think at some point we have to have the conversation of, is, is he a first round startup caliber player already at this point? Um, I'm leaning towards the fact that he is. Thielen gets it done, 8 for 75 and a touchdown here again. Um, Another positive game for him, but it feels like these targets now have completely balanced to even. And I think probably that's the way the Vikings fans should want it, and it's the way that Thielen and Jefferson managers should want it too. Um, Jefferson's creating windows in in this defense. I guess the last thing to say on the Vikings is a very narrow passing game here. Uh, I believe only Chad Beebe caught another ball. Rudy was targeted twice but didn't catch anything. Uh, this offense runs through three players, and and that's uh, a good thing for fantasy managers. Well, and I think it's worth pointing out their playoff schedule. Bad news for Dalvin uh, managers. Yeah. Buccaneers, Bears, Saints. Like That's a pretty – that's about as tough of a three-game stretch as you, as you could – 
could make up. I know the Bears, you can probably do a little bit more against them than we would have thought a few weeks ago. But, man, we're going to have some tough uh, decisions to make with Dalvin because uh, he carried uh, many of us to the playoffs. But, man, these are some really scary matchups. And he is wearing down. I think it's yep. almost undeniable when you watch him play. So see a big dud coming up in the next few weeks for him that could cost a lot of teams, uh, you know, a playoff matchup. So it's uh, – going to be tough. No, I'm totally with you. Uh, flipping over to the Jacksonville side, probably uh, James Robinson's best matchup left on the on the board, but still kind of a tough matchup. He does score the game-tying touchdown, uh, and I believe the two-point conversion, correct? Or no, they, they threw it for the two-point conversion. I'm sorry. Uh, but either way, six more catches this game, uh, 30 yards, so over 100 all-purpose yards. Um, like I said, has the touchdown. He looks great. Uh, he frankly deserves some amount of rookie of the year consideration. Uh, I think the guy on the opposite sideline is, is well ahead of him at this point, along with some of the quarterbacks, but, uh, he's been a, a, an absolute revelation for this Jags team. And I think you can continue to start him despite how tough the matchups get. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, I think is maybe a guy to talk about. Obviously a guy that we both like, I've talked, you know, pretty glowingly about as a prospect. He does catch a touchdown here, but it's on a redirect from Chris Boyd. Probably should have been an intercepted pass. Uh, so don't chase this 38-yard uh, stat line with a touchdown. Uh, he is used in the backfield once or twice as a runner. Um, he looks good, but just not enough to go around in this offense. Um, DJ Chark was largely shut down by Cam Dantzler. I thought he played a great game, uh, Dantzler for the Vikings, that is. Um, it, his first catch didn't come until very late in this game. He was targeted throughout, but... Uh, just good coverage all around. The single coverage matchups and the better corner matchup went to Colin Johnson, who was able to get something done. He's an interesting prospect. I think they have their uh, starting trio for whoever the starting quarterback is for this team next year. Um, and I think it's a pretty competent one. Um, certainly could add a tight end, could maybe add a pass catching back to pair with Robinson. Um, but Colin Johnson is a guy that I like a lot, and I'm going to be picking up in some places where uh, he's still available. Um, I guess I didn't have a heck of a lot else on this game, so why don't we flip it over to Cincinnati-Miami. Um, Devontae Parker gets eight targets here with two under the helm instead of Fitzpatrick, but doesn't do a lot with them. Obviously, they're not seeing eye-to-eye, but uh, what do you what did you see from that connection specifically? Yeah, I don't think the skill set for uh, Parker really lends itself well to Tua's skill set. I just think it's kind of a... a a poor chemistry there. Um, Tua, the, the creeping into my mind when watching this game, he reminds me a lot of like a left-handed Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> and that's not, that's kind of both a compliment and an insult yeah. at the same time where it's a compliment to him as a football player. I, I like him as a football player, but I'm starting to get pretty worried about him as a fantasy quarterback. Yeah. And I just don't think Parker's the kind of receiver that's ever going to be trustworthy with, uh, to a, there's going to be some, you know, red zone touchdowns here and there, but I don't see a whole heck of a lot of three digit yardage games in this pairings future. Um, it could be, you know, a, a thing where you're, if you're a Parker, uh, you know, manager, you're going to want to look for a sell opportunity, um, for after a good game or two, because they're going to come. I just think it's going to be too hard to predict for him to confidently be in your lineups. Um, I thought he had a pretty good rapport going with, uh, Gaskin in this game okay. or Giseki, yep. excuse me. I was just going to uh, say there was a bunch of G's on this, on this box. Card. It was Grant, Gaseki, Gaskin, uh, but yeah, you, you texted me about a one-handed catch that Gaseki had made. I still haven't had a chance to catch it yet. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah, it was really impressive. Uh, it was kind of a contested one too, where he had a guy draped on him and he just reached out his oven mitt and just kind of <laughs> like stopped the football dead in his tracks. It wasn't one of those one handers where you got to kind of tip it up and then catch it coming down softly. He just right. snagged that thing. It was, it was uh, impressive hand strength to be able to stop a, you know, a bullet pass on a dime like that with one paw. It was uh, a really nice catch. I encourage you guys to watch it, but I don't encourage you to watch much else from this game. Cause <laughs> I think there was a penalty on just about every play uh, i'm exaggerating some but not not it's by a lot chippy. there's a, a lot of reviews yeah chippy some really dirty hits by the Bengals. mike thomas on punt return plays yeah. it almost got uh dolphins coach uh, into a fist fight of his own i um, saw that yeah i'm a big fan of brian flores though I, I like the way he handled that and the way he defends his players 
and the way he came out and talked about it after the game. I think he's a fantastic coach, but uh, the, the the guy did accidentally mention Miles Gaskin. I thought he ran the ball pretty well this game as well. Mm-hmm. He had a fumble. Uh, it was interesting to see Lynn Bowden get a little involved in this game too. Yep. Drafted in the third round, I believe, by the Raiders, then immediately flipped for <laughs> a fourth-round pick. So that was curious, but he was uh, – getting in the field, uh, kind of subbing in for Jakeem Grant a lot and doing the jet action stuff. So if if he gets used a little bit more, that's somewhat interesting. Uh, there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to talk about on the Bengals side here. Brandon Allen gets hurt late. Ryan Finley comes in. I don't think it makes a difference one way or the other nope. for me going nope. forward on the weapons. Tyler Boyd gets uh, you know a good box score in one play, but otherwise was invisible and gets kicked out of the game. So, yeah, T. Higgins, you know, Five for 56 is about what we expect at this point without Burrow. So, unfortunate, but we kind of knew this was going to happen. Yeah, there wasn't much there. It sounds like he picked up a hamstring injury in this game uh, late, too, so something to monitor. Uh, And then the only other thing I had written down is A.J. Green draws one target and doesn't catch it. Um, Yeah, I think he's droppable in all formats. Yep, it's over for A.J., uh, especially with no Burrow. I doubt they bring him back. Maybe he can rejuvenate his value someplace else. Uh, but based on what he's put on film this this year, I don't see it. Agree. Uh, our next game, uh, you had the Saints-Falcons. Uh, I suggested the Falcons try and make Taysom throw the ball to to win the game. And uh, it looked like from the box score, at least, I didn't see a ton of this game that he did throw the ball um, a fair amount and reasonably efficiently. Did he look as good on the eye test as the stat line looked? You know, he did. His arm is is fairly impressive. He absolutely can throw a frozen rope and you know he's very accurate too uh the one thing i did notice and it happened two or three times in the game um that layered throw kind of what we were critical of justin herbert of when he was kind of coming into the league of where you have to throw it over one player and have it drop down fast enough where it doesn't get to the next level um there was a play michael thomas had a deep crosser and there was nobody deep and he tried to rifle it in there it really should have been intercepted um, he, he kind of feels like the way I play uh, uh, Madden, the video game, this this reference will land with some people and not with others. Uh, the direct throw is always the easiest throw where you can just throw it on a line right towards somebody. Um, and Taysom Hill has that throw in spades. He can throw it past through um, and directly at players. But when he's asked to throw it up and over, especially short up and over, uh, he really struggles. But he has the cheat code right now for fantasy. He adds 83 yards with his legs. And frankly, a, a more precision pocket passer like Matt Ryan would would like to have uh, 232 yards and two touchdowns with his arms. So uh, pretty good game here for Taysom Hill. Really not much negative, you can say. Um, Alvin Kamara has a solid game here. Uh, he's really been turned into basically a, a running back as opposed to the offensive weapon he always used to be. Uh, had Did have two back-to-back receptions in this game, but... Uh, Really didn't get anything going in the passing game. I will say uh, two or three times on routes where he was given that that two-way go where he's he comes out of the backfield, he squares up the linebacker or safety who's covering him, and then he goes either in or out depending upon what leverage they're playing with. Two different times when he was cutting off his right foot into the inside of the, the defense, he slipped. And additionally, on his longest play of the game, he had a real chance to cut back hard inside off the right foot and basically just kind of ran out of bounds, did a Derrick Henry-like stiff arm, which was kind of cool. But um, to me, it looks like that foot injury that he's got is limiting him in some ways. He doesn't doesn't seem to want to cut with the same you know speed and explosion that he always does. He's so patient. He's got such good vision that he's making it work right now, finding little lanes, uh, you know, wiggling his way through seams, and he gets you a touchdown here, so good game. But uh, it's concerning both from a Taysom Hill standpoint, but also from a, I don't think he looks 100% healthy. Now, uh, obviously came into this game without an injury designation. If that's the case, you keep starting him, but uh, just something interesting that I saw. Um, Traquan Smith here does catch a touchdown, but it was wide open. Three players tried to cover Michael Thomas and nobody went with Traquan Smith. Uh, so nothing to read into there. Michael Thomas does have a good game here. Clearly Taysom Hill uh, favors Thomas uh, nine catches, 105 yards, um, really nothing to see there. On to the, the Atlanta side, Matt Ryan is just brutal again. He's got all day in the pocket sometimes, and it, he's just double-clutching, patting the ball, seems to can't, not be able to find receivers. Um, 
I do think watching Julio, and now part of this could be he's hurt, but we also just talked about A.J. Green being maybe past his prime and maybe no longer uh, a competent NFL player. These guys came out of the same draft class. They are exactly the same age. You know, this isn't a linear thing. Not every player drops off at the same spot. But we are getting to that point in his career where you have to start looking for when does the fall off from elite to very good happen? And I'm wondering if we're starting to see it. He's not generating the same separation I'm used to. Really some competitive, tough physical catches in this game. But I'm expecting when Julio gets one-on-one coverage that he's open by eight yards. And right now it's a two or three yard open. Um, So some of it, I think, is on the receivers. I should mention Calvin Ridley has a good game here. Uh, but dropped what should have been a pretty easy touchdown. He was open. Matt Ryan got him the ball on time, on his hands. Uh, he dropped it. So that was disappointing to see, but he did make an unbelievable catch that a guy that you don't expect to play. So um, still a good player, obviously, but uh, this whole Falcons passing offense has some real issues. Um and next week, they've got a favorable matchup against the Chargers. I think you can keep starting them. But uh, this is an offense that I think is going to change greatly in the offseason. Um, the last thing I'll note is, is Todd Gurley had a chance on third and two on one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, and he ended up losing seven yards trying to bounce it outside. He is completely done. And he is uh, piece number one that has to go for this offense in the offseason. Yeah, they need to do a lot of stuff to kind of retool. Uh, I wonder, I just like I was going to suggest that now is probably, like you said, a good out point for Julio managers to get yep. uh, a decent uh, return maybe for the last time on him. I'm not saying his days are numbered uh, as far as being a good player, but probably days are numbered as far as being a, elite you player. Know, a lead player that you're going to be able to still get a pretty good haul for. So I think a smart manager probably does try to sell Julio this off season. Maybe the Falcons need to consider doing the same thing. Uh, they could probably still get a first round pick for him. I think they need yeah. to reset a little bit as much as I love Julio. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan. I think it may be the, the, the way they've built their roster, it got them to one Super Bowl. They should have won it, but they ain't getting back to the Super Bowl with this roster. They need to, you know, kind of do a soft rebuild. It could, it, it could be something that turns around pretty quickly, but something that needs to be done in Atlanta. I totally agree. Um, our next matchup is uh, Giants and Seahawks. Uh, the question I had written down, this was one of your matchups, but the question I had written down, uh, how much did Colt McCoy improve Daniel Jones's value with this win? Because, Uh, This looks like a team that's probably headed to the playoffs, which means that they're going to be picking in the back half of the draft, which means even in a deep quarterback draft, I don't think they're probably uh, in a position where they have to replace Daniel Jones. They could, but they don't have to. Um, Is he the starting quarterback for the New York Giants next year? I know this is not game relevant, but I just wanted your thoughts on that that side of things. Now that it looks like the Giants are going to win some games. Well, that question's probably more relevant than this, you know, anything else we can really take from this game. Uh, I I tend to think he will be their quarterback next year. I like Daniel Jones a bit more than a lot of people in the fantasy world do. I think he can provide for his weapons and their, you know, his running ability, I think is, you know, useful. And I, I think he can help this team win games. I don't see a reason for them to move on from Jones this off season. Um, he may not be the long-term answer, but I think he affords them another year and a draft where they can address other areas of need. So I do expect him back. Um, yeah, Colton McCoy was just a, you know, game manager extraordinaire in this mm-hmm. one. He wasn't asked to do much, which is Colt McCoy's career in a nutshell, but, uh, Wayne Gallman helps him out a lot here. He has a really good game. He yeah. wasn't touchdown dependent in this one those touchdowns went to alfred morris you could have started gallman and alfred morris in your lineup both and (laughs) felt pretty darn good about it that was not what i expected to happen in this game but uh, gallman was tired from running all over the field so alfred morris had to take the ball into the end zone for him so uh, a little bummed out that gallman didn't score but i was very happy with 135 yards uh in the league that i had to use them due to a lot of unfortunate events but uh not a whole lot to talk about in the new york passing game this week because of colt mccoy uh 
pretty ho hum. I'm not worried about anyone. I wouldn't have been starting anyone to begin with. So nothing to really break down there. The Seattle side was a little concerning, but this Giants defense is getting better and better every week. Uh, I think they got it. I think they made the right choice in Joe Judge. He's coaching this team really well. And James Bradbury was one of the best under the radar uh, offseason moves the team's made. He's having a fantastic season. And uh, he has a huge size disadvantage to DK Metcalf, but he held him to five for 80, which you would gladly take um, oh, if yeah. you're opposing DK Metcalf at this point. So I was impressed by the Giants uh, as a whole. But as far as fantasy talkers for Seattle, uh, there's not a lot. Chris Carson, you know, does about what you want for him if you're starting him. DK, you're a little bummed. Um, Lockett, you're a little bummed. Russell, you're probably a lot bummed. He's been turning the ball over quite a bit lately. Yeah. I think he has 12 over the last three or four games, which is, uh, you know, pretty concerning. He was the early favorite to win MVP, and I think he's down to the fourth or fifth best odds at this point. So it's uh, – it's not going so well in Seattle, but uh, yeah, like you said, the Giants look like a playoff team and you know, they might actually be able to win a game in the playoffs the way things are trending right now. Yeah. I, th- with the Seattle Seahawks, I just wonder who is this, you know, who does this team want to be? Um, it feels like they waffle week in and week out. This was a week where they tried to let Russ cook um, and it wasn't really working for the most part. Um Obviously, like you said, DK never really hit a, a long play, lock it with a mediocre stat line. Um, who do you think this team wants to be as we go into the playoffs here? I think they want to be balanced, but they keep seesawing too much. It's like we're run, 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 run. Oh, let Russ cook. Okay, now we got to make Russ happy, so we're going to throw the ball 75 right. times. Oh, we got to be balanced again. So then they just overcorrect back and forth. Um, I think they want to be balanced, but the means of getting there is just kind of weird. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And they're a team that's incapable of playing like a normal football game. Every Seattle game is close, no matter what the two teams are. I have no idea why. It's just, it's got to be something in the water in Seattle. It's strange. They're a weird team. Leave it to Pete Carroll. Uh, Our next matchup is Detroit and Chicago. Um, This was an interesting matchup. I think, you know, a lot of people thought the Bears were going to roll, and it looked for a while like they would. Uh, this game was 30 to 20 with uh, less than six minutes left. Uh, Bears had the lead. Um, I guess I'll start on the Lions side. They get the job done here. 402 yards for Matt Stafford. Uh, an excellent throw directing traffic downfield to Quintus Cephas for his first NFL touchdown. Um, the inter- interception he threw was pretty boneheaded. They tried to set up a screen to Jesse James. And I think, frankly, he was just trying to spike the ball into the ground. But a uh, a defender for Chicago picked it off. Um, kind of just one of those things that, that can happen. But really good game here from Stafford. His favorite target was Marvin Jones. Uh, 116 yards on eight catches. for uh, on, Also scored a touchdown for Jones. Um, he was very good in this game, finding you know open spots in the, in the zone coverage. Uh, really nice pump fake uh, throw to the back of the end zone to set up his touchdown. Um, the other big name here was TJ Hawkinson. He had another strong game, um, was quiet in the first half, but right before the end of the half, he nearly was able to come down with a Hail Mary in the end zone. Um, and then in the second half seemed like the, the favorite target for, uh, Stafford had a really nice catch on a, on a deep out route. Um, they went right back to him the next play and he had a nice wheel route adjustment. Unfortunately, that was his second catch inside of the five yard line. So nearly scored twice. Um, But on that possession, that set of downs, they brought in Jesse James, and he scores the touchdown. Um, So 7 for 84 for Hawkinson. Um, Still not a guy that I think really ascends into that upper, upper tier of tight ends, but a guy that's having a really solid season, making the catches he needs to, not hurting his team. Um, It'd be nice to see him take a little bit more of the snap share here, Um, but overall a a strong showing. no DeAndre Swift in this game. It was interesting that Adrian Peterson basically got all of the work. Uh, on Johnson only has five touch, touches here for 11 yards. Adrian even worked in in the passing game. He doesn't catch a ball, but he was out there uh, while they were passing a lot. on Johnson, kind of another guy who's basically droppable in all formats. If he can't do it when Swift's not out there, I don't know what you're holding on to him for. He probably needs a new spot, and even then, um, I'm not super bullish on his long-term prognosis. Uh, switching over to the Bears, like I said, they kind of blew this game. Uh, Trubisky had a strong game for the most part. 
Um, but in the most critical moment, uh, just an absolutely clueless fumble, holding the ball in the pocket, uh, doesn't recognize the pass rush coming around the edge and gets stripped. They turn it over on like the six or eight yard line. Um, and that's what allowed Detroit to punch this thing in. Um, I will say on the Chicago side, David Montgomery looks pretty good to me. Um, now friend of the show and Southside resident. Uh, and I, I kind of think closeted bear fan, Danny Higgins and I had a little discussion about this. Um, he kind of thinks this is a, a little bit of fresh leg syndrome. And I sort of agree with him where, you know, Montgomery had three weeks off, I believe, with his injury, and then they hit by. So almost a full, you know, a little bit over a month of not playing for him. The rest of the league is tired. He does look good here. I think you can continue to start him with the good matchups we have going forward. But just remember this context as we go into the offseason. I think he's going to carry an inflated value that he does not deserve. Um, but good to see him get into the end zone twice. He does catch four balls. Uh, all in all, a good performance by David Montgomery. Um, as far as the pass catchers go, Robinson has a strong game or, you know, a decent game for him. Doesn't catch a touchdown, but six for 75. Uh, Miller and Mooney split up the rest um, with the exception of, you know, kind of the, probably the most interesting thing I think on the Bears side is Cole Komet uh, probably was out there for 80 percent or so of the snaps. I don't have the snap data right in front of me right now, but uh, catches a touchdown here, ties Allen Robinson for the team lead in targets. Um, he looks like the real deal and, uh, a guy that I, I, we got to go by and maybe have a discussion about long-term. Yeah. Cole Komet, um, it, it was kind of a case study here where, um, all rookie tight ends, it takes time for yeah. them to get involved in the offense. I saw Cole Komet dropped in several of my mm -hmm. dynasty leagues. Uh, why you go out and spend a second or a third round pick on a tight end and don't at least give them a season is beyond yep. me. I now roster him in, I think, four different dynasty leagues where I didn't <laughs> draft him in any of them. It's like, okay, you're going to give me a tight end, uh, you know, for free that I think is going to be a nice player. But I don't like to draft rookie tight ends a ton just because people are so impatient with them. You can snag them on waivers half the time, the young guys that uh, it, it's just hard because you don't you don't get that immediate gratification right. when you draft a player where you can see what you got right away it is a bit you know patience is required but it's another example of a guy that if you're patient you'd be feeling pretty darn good about your pick whereas now i've got your pick because you weren't <laughs> patient so uh be patient when you draft these young tight ends because it doesn't happen overnight but kolkomet has taken over this job and i don't think he's giving it back anytime soon yeah, you know, it is a mantra that gets talked about a lot, I think, when the tight end classes are better. I think because this tight end class felt so depressed, people were so down on this tight end class, that we sort of that that sort of got swept under the rug for a season that, guys, it's going to take a full year. It doesn't matter if it's Kyle Pitts, who everybody is over the moon with, or if it's Cole Komet, who's the leading tight end in a, in a pretty pedestrian tight end class, let's admit. These guys sure. are going to take some time. They're probably one of the harder proje uh, projections to just make uh, based on college film and what you've got. That's why so many of them are former basketball players and guys like Darren Waller who are positional converts. And um, yeah, if you held on Cole Komet, if you drafted him, it was a smart pick. He's a good player. Um, and he's probably a guy that, that, you know, if you could still go by, I think I would go do, uh, go do that. Uh, Eagles at Packers, another NFC North matchup here. Um, obviously the most interesting note from this game is Jalen Hurts ends up taking over for Carson Wentz. Um, I don't even know that we need to talk Carson Wentz anymore. I think we've been pretty, uh, pretty open about how poorly he's playing. Why don't you just start with how did the offense change with Jalen Hurts? And if Doug Peterson and they, the Eagles decide to stick with Hurts, how does the offense change going forward? Who do you like more? Who do you like less, et cetera? Well, I don't know if the offense changed mid-game. I think they were playing a softened defense, um, carrying mm -hmm. a large deficit, so there was room for Hurts. I think his first player, his first pass, goes for 34 yards to Jalen Rager yep. in single coverage. So, you know, that was good to see. I don't know if it needs to change a ton. Hurts, you know, a little more mobile, so they can maybe mix in some more read options, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. um Wentz wasn't exactly a statue, um, but they didn't really use him on designed runs. But I think you may see more bootlegs, more, you know, read option, spread, you know, RPO type stuff. But um, I think it's still going to be kind of a frustrating offense, but I think he makes it a little more interesting. 
I think you hit on something interesting, or at least made me think of something that, you know, maybe I hadn't really thought of before. Because Wentz is a good mover within the pocket and can do some things with his legs. I think maybe the difference at the end of the day comes down to how the defense has to rush Jalen Hurts. You know, if you start stunting too much on Jalen Hurts and one side of the line gets washed out, there's yeah. 30 yards right there. If your ends get too far upfield and you lose you know, pocket contained, Mm -hmm. there's 30 yards right there. With Carson Wentz, you don't have to worry about in the same way. You don't have to have the same rush integrity as you're coming up the field. Um, I do think he kind of helps this offense stabilize, and I kind of hope that this this is where they're planning to go the rest of the way. I do view it as a positive move for most of the Eagles' weapons going forward this year. Uh, Time will tell if his upside's high enough to be where we thought Wentz was at his peak, but um, it looks like they made, you know, a smart draft pick in the second round, taking Hurts that everyone questioned at the time. But, yeah, big regression for Wentz. Like you said, we don't need to talk about it until we get some resolution on him long-term. I still think there's something there. I think he'll be a starting quarterback again. I'm just not so sure it's going to be with Philadelphia. Hertz has an opportunity to, you know, Wally Pip him here. But yep. uh, uh, Rager, you know, doesn't do anything in the passing game other than that 34-yard catch, but he does return a punt for a touchdown, so it gives you some points there. Good to see. It was kind of a week where all the – the rookies with uh, kind of a rough start to their careers all showed up and scored except for Clyde. So Jalen joins the the downtrodden rookie touchdown parade this week. So that was at least good to see. Um, it's interesting that Travis Fulgham's completely disappeared from this <laughs> offense. After, he looked like a real thing, but uh, yeah. I – I don't know what the hell to do with him anymore. Um, And then another guy, I'm sure it's not a shocking thing to say, but Alshon Jeffrey does not need to be owned anywhere in any format for any reason. I've seen him still rostered in way too many leagues. Just drop him. It's just a name. It's a washed up name. He should retire. Uh, And the only, the one thing that really bothered me in this game is Jordan Howard getting four carries. (laughs) I understand wanting to spell Miles Sanders, but you got Boston Scott. He's a hell of a lot better than Jordan Howard. I don't understand any reason for Jordan Howard to get carries in this offense. It's Um, just, it's, it's another example of, of the Eagles not being able to self scout. They're like trying to rebuild the 20, what was it? 2017 or 2018 when they won the Super Bowl. doesn't matter. They're trying to rebuild the Super Bowl team from two years ago that doesn't exist anymore uh it just feels like they Alshon Jeffrey is out there on one of the more critical downs in this game and he clearly can't get separation without pushing off the refs saw it it was two-handed I mean what is he doing out there it just doesn't make any sense to me and it's it's an indictment of of Howie Roseman and this entire uh front office that they haven't gotten rid of some of these pieces that are so obviously well past their prime for them to bring back Howard I mean it's just it's bad yeah, and if it weren't for the Super Bowl win, I think we'd be having some serious conversations on whether or not Doug Peterson was yeah. safe here. And I think that may even become a talker. Uh, he needs kind of Jalen Hurts to save his job at this point, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I know you might be right. Well, and I, I especially think that's the case for the GM. Um, otherwise, yeah. I think there's going to be some some serious turnover there. Uh, we should get to the Packers side. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, True. another brilliant game here. Uh, Bob Tanyan. Uh, where do you think he kind of, you know, obviously he's very integrated into this offense this year, but we've talked about their, their last weapons as they add weapons in the future. Do you think he's good enough to maintain kind of what he's done this year as he found himself a home for a few years? Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't see why not. Uh, Rodgers, he hasn't always had a great connection with his tight end, but when he does, he really likes to use that position. But I think it takes a while to develop Aaron's trust, and Robert's really been earning that in spades. I, I, he's mm-hmm. climbing my rankings the more I think about it. Like he, I, don't, I can't even remember where I have him right now as I did tight ends, but I think you know right now I need to put him in Tier 2 or you know at the very least high-end Tier 3. But yeah, yeah Tanya's a guy right? that I'm starting to trust more and more and more and his value keeps going up every week he continues to put up a good box score i think uh he's a must start obviously in the tight end wasteland and he's someone worth acquiring if you have the means to acquire um and the need but yeah he's uh he's a guy that i think is there to stay in a real thing absolutely and i don't think we need to talk a lot of Devonte adams but another awesome game for him two touchdowns 121 yards uh, if he's not the best receiver in pro football, he's one of the four best. And uh, 
he's going to have a big stretch to finish this season off, I think. Yeah, I have Tyreek Hill ahead of him in my dynasty rankings, yep. but uh, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I totally agree. Uh, I think we should get on to our next matchup, and I think I can get through it pretty quickly. It's, uh, boy, it was the most lopsided game of the year, probably. 45 to nothing for the Patriots over the Chargers on the road. Um, you know, this game, yes, Damian Harris had a good game. Cam Newton was very effective with his legs, uh, less so with his arms, only 69 yards passing. But, you know, he does throw for a touchdown, runs two in. Um, you know, he's a good player, but it's so frustrating to see nobody else on this offense be able to be viable when they score as many points as they did. He doesn't help anybody else out. Um, you know, he's frankly, I, I think people are going to look at the stat sheet and go, Oh boy, Sony Michelle took 10 touches from Damian Harris. That's why he didn't have the bigger game that we were all hoping for that this stat line might indicate. Um, it's not uh, Sony Michelle. By the time Sony Michelle was getting big touches, this game was over. It's Cam Newton who's stealing the work from Damian Harris, not Sony Michelle. Um, obviously, if you started Cam, you're happy. I'm glad. But three opportunities inside the three, two designed Cam Newton runs that he scored on. And I think he called his own number on a QB sneak from the three-yard line, which, you know, made no sense to me. But it is what it is. You know, Damian Harris, I think, looked really, really good here. They gave him some wildcat snaps early. Um, but just he gets poached at the goal line every every time by his quarterback. And that's, that's frustrating. But uh, he looks significantly better than Sony Michelle. Uh, really, the only other thing on the Patriots side I got is Gunnar Olszewski. Uh, he had a 38-yard touchdown from Stidham late in this game, and don't I don't quite get it. When they brought Stidham in, it was 45 to nothing. They went play action on three consecutive plays, the third of which hit Gunnar Olszewski for this long touchdown. Um, he's kind of an interesting guy, not because of the 38-yard touchdown when everything was irrelevant, but he had two long punt return touchdowns here. Uh, one of them went for a touchdown. One of them was almost identical, and it went out at about the 12-yard line. Um, you know, he's just another one of these, dare I say it, white slot looking wide receivers for the Patriots that is making plays in special teams every week and might eventually find his way to getting some opportunities on offense and just a name to keep in the back of your head. Um, yeah, he's the most Bill Bel Belichickian wide receiver prospect I think I've ever seen. He, he certainly fits the mold of a pet project there for Bill. So I guess it's worth paying attention to. It just cracks me up, though. I don't know why. Yeah, he probably played a lot of lacrosse, and that's why. Oh, I'm sure. And, so much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on to the Chargers side. Uh, not a lot to see here, frankly. Obviously, Justin Herbert's worst game, but this to me didn't really look like, you know, him looking awful. It looked like Bill Belichick in a defense that I think really is rounding into form. Um, some of these rookie picks that they've made recently, and Josh Uche and Kyle Duggar. Um, and a year ago with Chase Winovich are starting to, you know, come to fruition. Uh, they basically rushed for all game and put pressure on him and dropped a bunch of people in coverage and said, we're going to make, make you beat us with 12 play drives, running the ball. We're not going to let you throw the ball down the field. Um, and Herbert kind of got frustrated, wasn't able to quite deal with it. Uh, it's a learning experience from him. It's something that's going to make him, you know, a better player, but in terms of kind of their general organization overall, it's sort of one of those games that you look back and go, if, if Anthony Lynn gets fired, this might be one we look at and go, you know, you can't just get blown out 45 rip at, at home, uh, even to a, you know, middling Patriots team. Um, I don't have a lot on the skill position players. Hunter Henry with an absolute dud here uh, looked basically invisible. I don't know if he's fully healthy, but Parham and some of these other guys are getting snaps over him. Uh, Keenan Allen gets 11 targets. Mike Williams gets nine, but they can't even combine for 100 yards. Um, and Austin Eckler with a floor game manages almost 70 yards, catches four. So in PPR, you're not totally uh, screwed over by that performance. But just really nothing on the Chargers that I can point to. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is uh, this was a, a New England special team, you, you know, masterpiece because they blocked a kick right at the end of the first half that uh, they returned for a touchdown, made it 28, nothing basically ended the game. Like I said, two long punt returns, one for a touchdown. So uh, I think we can, we can move on because this was just kind of a blowout and not a lot of fantasy relevance. 
Indeed. Uh, our next game, we got Rams at Cardinals. Uh, I watched this one. And again, everyone on Twitter loves to take victory laps every time Cam Akers touches the ball. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I wanted to push back on Jonathan Taylor earlier, but I watched the film and I was like, all right, you know, you can celebrate that if you want. That's fine. He had a good game. Mm-hmm. Cam Akers, people were talking like, oh, he took this job. This is his job now. Blah, blah, blah. Daryl Henderson's dead. Malcolm Brown's dead. I don't see it that way. Uh, I know I'm biased because I'm a Daryl Henderson guy, and I still think he's the better talent. Uh, Cam Akers gets a ton of carries in the, you know, 10-yard line in in this game. He scores one, but he also got stuffed like seven times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his touchdown was nice. You know, it was a good run. But I think a lot of the reason he had the heavier workload today was Daryl Henderson gets banged up a little bit early in this game, but he does come back and scores on a 38-yard run. I still think he's just a more interesting talent, but I do think it's close. I think they should use both, but I don't think this job has been won by Akers like some people are making it out to sound like. Yeah, people act like there's going to eventually be a bell cow here, and I just don't see that being the case. Um, I think it took Cam Akers a little while to get into this offense. And the re- the reason I think that was this isn't a team that likes to put back goals where you're the third down guy, you're the first and second down guy, you're the short yardage guy. They like to just rotate them by series. And mm-hmm. so if you're playing by series and Cam Akers can't pass protect, he can't run a route, you don't then get the first and second down part of things. And you know what I mean? Because they don't want to be switching guys on and off the field. Um Cam Akers maybe has started to grasp some of that stuff, but I really don't think this needs to be an either, uh, you know, uh, proposition. As you said, Henderson has, I think, only five touches, but almost 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he is an explosive, explosive talent. Obviously, he's a little hurt right now, but I think these two backs can coexist and be high-end RB2s, if not mid-tier RB2s year in and year out. Yeah, I agree. It could be kind of like a poor man's uh, Chubb and uh, Hunt situation here. We just need Malcolm Brown to go away because he's still got like three series in this game. And you're absolutely right. right. That's how they rotate their backs. It's almost with a guy that gets the first uh, snap on a drive is almost the guy or always the guy that gets the last snap on the drive. Right. Unless there's an injury or something. For whatever reason, that's the way McVay likes to do it. Uh, We just need brown to stop getting serious because i think acres and henderson are both talented running backs i still prefer henderson but um you know let's not get carried away assuming this job is won at any point regardless of a single game uh jared goff continues to unimpress me um on the rest of this game i know the stat line looks better but he could have had a really big game here uh cooper cup was wide open for what would have been an easy 75 yard touchdown play but he instead settles for the short route to tyler higby that goes for like eight yards there literally wasn't a guy within like 20 yards of cup so that was very (laughs) frustrating for a cup manager which i tend to be in a lot of places uh jared goff just isn't a very smart quarterback i hate to say it that way i just don't see much intelligence out of him on or off the field uh if you ever listen to the guy talk he doesn't seem like the the smartest character and it kind of shows on the field sometimes uh but yeah as far as the rams go you know it's just another game like that where we've talked about uh like they need a guy that can stretch the field i think they can stretch the field with the guys they have they just don't have a quarterback that's willing to take as many shots as he should Um, As far as Arizona goes in this game, I think it was about the kind of game we expected from Kyler Murray. Maybe we thought he'd get more of these points through the, you know, maybe a rushing touchdown or two, but he does get three passing touchdowns, just low yardage. So I think about a, a, you know, a scoring output we expected in a tough matchup. Uh, At least Hopkins gets in the end zone, has a better second half than first half. I think Kenyon Drake's still looking kind of decent to me, a lot better than he did earlier in the year. And uh, Christian Kirk's value is pretty much dead at this point, too, at least in terms of the redraft, the this week, this year type mm-hmm. value. Um, I, I don't know what's happened because he was a basically a top 15 guy through about the first half of the season. Um, only manages one catch for two yards here on three targets. Uh, really disappointing to see from a first round pick from a couple years ago, or at least a first round dynasty pick from a couple years ago. Uh, yeah. Our last match. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say I had heard a lot of Dan Arnold hype all offseason, and he actually <laughs> shows up in this game. So, congratulations totally to the Dan yeah. Arnold truthers. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you uh, <laughs> took the victory lap this week. Uh, so, our last matchup was the Sunday night football game uh, Broncos and Chiefs. You know, I don't have a heck of a lot on this game. I think starting on the Denver side, really the, the, the two salient things I thought were. 
Uh, Melvin Gordon looked as good as I've seen him look all year. Um, and that was, you know, I guess good to see if you're still, you know, rostering and hoping to get some production out of him this year. Um, and then Jerry Judy's inability to find any sort of, you know, open space or targets in this offense this week. Um, which one of those do you want to talk about? And, or maybe if you got something else, go ahead on the Denver side. Well, I'll take a little bit of an L on the Melvin Gordon thing. Uh, I think he did look crappy most of the year, but he looked like a vintage Melvin Gordon in this game. He, he looked really good in this one. And, uh, I've always been a Philip Lindsay guy and Lindsay couldn't get much going. Gordon looked actually really good. So I'll take an L on it for this week. At least I don't have any way to spin that in the, the narrative direction that I would like this backfield to go. So yeah, Melvin Gordon clearly separates himself from Lindsay in this game. I think uh, it's unlikely to see this uh, carries be 15 and 14 again next week based on the way this one went, but yeah, yeah. the Judy thing concerns me. Uh, I like him a lot as a talent. I'm not super worried about him. I'm worried about just can they find a replacement to Drew Locke with where right. they're at in the standings? They they might win too many games to be in the market for one of the rookie quarterbacks we like. So which direction do they go? Do they target a Carson Wentz? Do they go after another, you know, veteran that fell into tough times and needs a new home? I I like a Sam Darnold or I was just something. Say I, that, yeah. That might interest me a little bit more, but they need a change. Drew Locke looks so shaky to me. He looks like he has zero confidence in anything he does, and I do not want him to be the long-term quarterback there. I tend to agree. I think, you know, my comparison always was Josh Allen, uh, that could he still be that? We saw a lot of errors from Josh Allen in his first year, but we also saw a lot of good. You're not seeing enough good with Drew Locke. I can deal with some errors, but then you got to show me some wow. And there's there's no wow with him right now. Uh, certainly the arm ca- the arm talent's there, but it's just nothing is working right now for them. And I'm with you. I hope hope Denver has a new quarterback. Onto the Kansas City side, um, <clears throat> really, I think the thing to talk about is first off, Ceh is uh, active, but then coat all day. Um, I don't know why they didn't just inact make him inactive, but uh, I suppose for emergency purposes. So I hope you didn't have to start him because he doesn't get a touch here. I don't even think he got a snap as far as I know. I didn't notice him out there once. Yeah, and then I think the other thing to talk about is Tyree Kill does have a pretty solid day here. Six for 58, 10 targets. I mean, quiet for Tyreek standards. Uh, But if you didn't watch this game, if you're out, if you're working, whatever, uh, he had a touchdown that was just flat out a touchdown that they punted before they could review. Uh, so I don't quite know what happened there. I, you know, I'm not putting that on Tyree kill. I don't think he even knew he caught it, but, uh, obviously that should have been a touchdown. And then he had a second, uh, long play where he does the backflip into the end zone bit again. Um, but, uh, was called back on holding. So could have been a much bigger day here for Tyree kill. Um, Kelsey does have the big day. Um, and then I guess the only other thing I've got is Sammy Watkins is no longer a fantasy relevant player. I don't think in, in, you know, the way we thought of him as a rookie or even as a second, third year player, I do think he helps this offense. I think he uh, is kind of the guy Mahomes looks for when they just need a chain mover on third down um, over the middle of the field. I, I like him in this offense uh, and how he benefits the players around him, even if he's not fantasy uh, relevant himself independent. I agree. Um, I think he fits kind of exactly what they need, but yeah, I don't think he belongs in really a important part of our rosters either. So it's a little unfortunate. I had a lot higher hopes for Watkins career mm-hmm. coming into the league. I thought he was, I was very, very high on him and you know, he's bounced around the league hasn't always been in the best situation. Now that he finds himself in an elite offense. He's just not the focal point of it, nor should he be. And it's uh, you know, there's going to be some weak ones out there for Sammy Watkins where he puts up a big, <laughs> A big number, but uh, I don't think he can be reasonably counted on in any format other than best ball at this point. Totally agreed. Um, so that was our last matchup. Um, you want to get us out of here on a, on a birthday, or do you got anything you want to close with? Well, first, while I uh, Google whose birthday it is, why don't you uh, <laughs> plug you know what we got, what we got coming Absolutely. up? Absolutely. Yep. So obviously, you can find both of us on Twitter. Newts is at Nasty Newts. I am at Dynasty Oasis. Uh, we'll be back in your ears uh, with a Friday show. Um, the plan is we're going to do week uh, week 14, I guess it would be previews. So getting you set for all your uh, fantasy playoff matchups, or at least we're assuming so. 
Um, and then we're going to do our second half show is going to be basically playoff uh, tips. Both it could be player player uh, could be player specific. It could be more of a macro conversation of things you're looking for in the playoffs, how you're adjusting your lineups. Um, I'm not to anything in terms of if you want to be player specific or if you want to be more evergreen with the ideas, but basically just a list of five tips that we have for uh, dynasty managers as they go into the playoffs. Did you mention the website? Sorry, I wasn't 100% listening there. I did not mention the website, but that's just because I you know, don't want people searching for it when we don't have it up yet. But the website oh, sure. is coming. Um, I'm thinking we're you know, probably going to be by the end of the season at the very latest, if not much sooner. Um, we've both kind of started working on the opening post for our blogs. We've got rankings coming there. Um, all of my uh, archived information from Tight End Physical Graffiti will be housed on the site. Um, you'll be able to listen to the podcast there. So um, that's all in the works and, and should be coming within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think we should be able to get that up pretty soon. I, I have a couple stuff uh, written already, and my rankings are just about done. So hopefully that'll be uh, on your bookmarks pretty soon. Really excited to get going with that. That should be a lot of fun mm-hmm. for us, and it should add content to this show, which will continue to be our primary focus, I, I tend to believe. Yes. But uh, on all those notes, I uh, appreciate your support. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, please uh, you know, share our podcast with your friends help us grow that would mean a lot and it would help us you know in a more ways than you would know but uh yeah thank you very much for everyone that's listening right now and continuing to listen and on that note happy birthday larry bird larry bird yeah he is a a goofy looking individual that's for sure yeah the short shorts were a great look though great style great style big fan uh, so that was a great show. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we got games starting here. Pittsburgh is on the on the telly, so uh, I think we should sign off, and uh, we just look forward to seeing you on Friday. Indeed. Let's uh, let's go Antonio Gibson. Uh, I want to see a big game from him. So hopefully when you're listening to this, you can be like, ah, you're right. Antonio Gibson was great. Or you're an idiot. Antonio Gibson sucked. What were you talking about? But we'll, we'll have fun watching. So uh, have a good week, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you then.